welcome to the Bound Cause, where we found our cause in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm the. Dude, I pointed to myself when I said that. I am the man, Michael, behind the machine. Jesus Christ is above us, and to my right is Sebastian, the bookkeeper. And way across the screen, you will see Sam Harris, who is not our co-host. Instead, it is. Sarah Jansen, under the PC, under the person of Christ. Under the person of Christ. As always, we are back again with a response video. It's actually been a bit because we were on the whole Catholic bashing train. Sorry to the Catholics out there, but not sorry to the Catholic religion. Um, we have stopped the Catholic train. We're back to the regular found cause formula, which is response video every other week. And then every other week, we have some esoteric theological discussion. Today's response video is very relevant and very not esoteric. It's the problem of evil. Just kidding. It's super lame philosophy. Um, it is a debate called the God debate, number one, that happened between a famous, kind of ex-famous at this point, Sam Harris, who is an atheist, philosopher kind of guy, um, basically just a skeptic kind of dude, and that's why he's fallen out of favor because he doesn't have much positive to say, he's just an anti-God guy, and the whole anti-God debate is kind of kind of done and over with these days because nobody likes God anyway, so if he was real, they want to rebel against him. But uh, this was a debate that was very popular, and so they redid it at good old Notre Dame. And his opponent is the prestigious, the illustrious, and the found cause despised William Lane Craig. Um, I say despised, that's probably too harsh of a word, um, but he has, he peddles some doctrine we very much disagree with, not even just on this point, um, but on salvation and on the way God works. And I put that all aside to say, I don't think the Christian side of this debate is particularly strong. I don't think that William Lane Craig is a particularly amiable debater and that he has topics that should be emulated. Um, but it does give you an opportunity to see how the atheist debates. And mind you, Sam Harris, very famous atheist of his time, still around today, just not as not as popular, uh, was considered the top mind and still probably is considered the top mind for this exact subject, the problem of evil and why God can exist because evil exists. Super common objection by atheists. We want to see how Sam Harris debates. We're just going to take a small section of this debate. It's a two-hour debate. We encourage you. It's linked in the description to, to watch it yourself if you so desire, although it's kind of painful because um, it's a boring topic and it's William Lane Craig. Um, but it will give you at least a full context for this. This is a rebuttal in mid-debate. Um, you can see the 58-minute mark of Sam Harris. So it's a rebutting Samuel Craig or William Lane Craig's comments. Um, We'll let him talk without further ado. I know Theodore's got a bunch of prepared comments ready. Sebastian's got actual scripture, and I have the keyboard. So let's do this. Mr. Harris now has 12 minutes. Timekeeper, are you ready? Begin. Well, that was all very interesting. Um, ask yourselves, what is wrong with spending eternity in hell? Let's ask ourselves, what's wrong with spending eternity in hell? Separation from the Lord, eternal punishment for in torments. Uh, the Bible says that the smoke and screams of their anguish come up day and night forever and ever. So Jesus says there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. So not only I would say is it intrinsically wrong. So you are it's it's bad because you are wrong. You're on the wrong side of God, um, but also it's unpleasurable. So it's not only morally wrong, i.e., you're just wrong, um, but it is also intensely unpleasurable. And those two things, I think, are the only two ways that you can measure human good is whether it's right to God and whether it feels good. So if both are in the wrong direction. Well, then you have no excuse. It's bad for everyone. Well, I'm told it's rather hot there, for one. Dr. Craig is not offering an alternative view of morality. Okay, the whole point of Christianity, or so it is imagined, is to safeguard the eternal well-being of human souls. Got a response here? Now, happily, there's... Go ahead. 
the whole point of Christianity was to uh, safeguard the eternal well-being of human souls. And I would say the whole point and focus of Christianity is Christ, God's glory, and our right... Oh, oh, go ahead. Keep going. As Hebrews 12 mentions, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, not let us fix our eyes away from hell or something like that. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Thus, one could also say the point of Christianity is a genuine joy and hope set before us of dwelling in peace and joy with a just, holy, and loving Father shared with the diverse, dynamic, empathetic, and creative community of brothers and sisters. Wow, that was very, like, church statement-y. That was good. I, I, and I agree with you, <laughs> fundamentally, Theodore. He's, he is defining Christianity from, I mean, not surprisingly, but from a very atheistic point of view, in that he's saying the whole point of the religion is to make people feel good. So he says the whole point of, of Christianity is the safeguarding of human souls, which is not the whole point. Like you said, it is a part of it that we're to rescue people whose feet are leading them to death and therefore share the gospel that the Lord saved Christianity or saved Christians, saved humanity um, from damnation. But the whole point of worship is to worship God and Christianity is worship of God in its uh, specific forms. So we are not the main point. We are just a side point. So he is fundamentally wrong on this issue. I agree. Well said. Okay. The next Definitely comment I have is in like two minutes. So. <laughs> I'll, okay. take you, I'll let you take everything till then. Yeah, I think we should look at the consequences of believing in this framework, this theistic framework, in this world, and what these moral underpinnings actually would be. Right. Nine million children die every year before they reach the age of five. Picture, picture a, a, an Asian tsunami of the sort we saw in 2004 that killed a quarter of a million people. One of those every 10 days, killing children only under five. That's 20, 24,000 children a day, 1,000 an hour, 17 or so a minute. That means before I can get to the end of this sentence, some few children, very likely, will have died in terror and agony. Think of, think of the parents of these children. Think of the fact that, that most of these men and women believe in God and are praying at this moment for their children to be spared, and their prayers will not be answered. Okay, but according to Dr. Craig, this is all part of God's plan. Mm -hmm. I'd like to note here, he's gone on the emotional tirade, super, super, super common, uh, supposedly, again, cutting-edge atheist, whatever. It's the oldest trick in the book from atheists. You'll see it as far back as you can go where there's video and as far forward as you can go. The emotional ploy to show that there's human suffering that God has ignored or allows or whatever else, which we agree that God obviously allows it because here it is happening, and that that is a reason to not believe in God, but it's all relying on Christian fundamental principles of believing that pain and suffering is bad. So Sam Harris has um, uh, some principles himself that he's built off of his own understandings that human suffering and human good is what's good um, but frankly there's no reason to believe that just as there's no reason reason to keep living if there's nothing after death um, so philosophically is already flawed um, but he goes for the emotional argument so i always find it ironic that the hyper rationalists are so often the ones that go to the hyper emotional argument i don't know if it's because they truly believe it or if they think it'll win the crowd over or whatever else um, but it's not very consistent with the rationalist perspective and we also believe and don't deny that god brings evil he brings calamity but it's for good even though the thing is evil so the death of all these children in his example is a 
objectively bad thing in and of itself, but it can be for a greater purpose, which makes God's purpose for it good. So God is not evil doing that evil thing. And let's establish this from the word of God himself, that he does control every single event in human history. As he says in one of my favorite chapters, Isaiah 46, remember this, keep it in mind, take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey, from a far off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. You may be saying, what has he planned? Well, clearly, everything he has laid out in history because he declares the end from the beginning. Likewise, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I would say echoing, paralleling this, mm -hmm. the beginning and the end. And also, notice here in Isaiah, I would say he does it for emphasis, summons a bird. So God is even in control of the animals and also is able to send prophets, a man to fulfill my purpose. Normally, it was prophets back in the day. So God is emphasizing that truly he is in control of all things. Including men. Yes. And also in other chapters, and they say, I don't have it the reference <coughs> right now, but it does say that he brings both blessing and also brings calamity. An example of that is um, the book of Job. Clearly God is in charge of all these things. Now, what Mr. Harris is going to question is then... God is definitely not good for allowing these bad things to happen or causing them to happen. That's where we fundamentally disagree. Uh, and not to just keep on this point, because I know we've kept him pause for a while, but <coughs> excuse me, the fundamental assumption from Sam Harris and other atheists is that that Christians don't want human suffering. And while we would say as Christians, we as individuals don't desire human suffering because we don't know who deserves suffering. We don't deny and we in fact assert that God wants certain amounts of human suffering. The greatest good is not the greatest is not the least human suffering. The greatest good is the greatest glory and pleasure to God. And we so happen as Christians to benefit from his glorification and his presence and he has so graciously given us the ability not only to see his glory but to, to share in it being saved by his son being covered by the blood of his son but he is also glorified in the suffering of mankind and he is pleased by this particular story he's writing out so we do not hold that human suffering is intrinsically bad we do hold that us bringing human suffering is intrinsically bad because we are not the judges of our fellow men like that mm -hmm. so we should not be making man-made tsunamis and and uh forces in the Bible like the Assyrians, they're a conquering people, they're vicious, and they destroy who they come to because they are evil and they want to destroy. They don't do it for, for just purposes. They do it for greed and they do it for the sake of destruction. God says in Isaiah, same book that, that Sebastian just quoted, that he's bringing the Assyrians. He's using them. He's anointed them and appointed them to destroy the northern kingdom of Israel because Israel has been wicked. And so they're a tool. They're appointed by him. He knows them. He's made them for this purpose. However, he will by no means spare the rod of the tool that he's using. He says, when the Lord has finished all his work against Mount Zion and Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the king of Assyria for the willful pride of his heart and the haughty look in his eyes. For he says, with my strength of my hand, I have done this and by my wisdom, because I have understanding. I removed the boundaries of nations and plundered their treasures. 
Like a mighty one, I subdued their kings. As one reaches into a nest, so my hand has reached for the wealth of the nations. As people gather up in the next, so I gathered all the countries. Not, not one flapped a wing or opened its mouth to chirp. Does the axe raise itself above the person who swings it? Or the saw boast against the one who uses it? Again, God is emphasizing how he is an instrument. And how dare you, king, to think that you are the one who is so mighty and powerful that you are actually the one who's capable enough to bring destruction to all these countries. I'm actually using you to punish the sinful Israelites that were sacrificing babies and doing a bunch of weird stuff that we all know from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So God is even behind these agents. Look for look further to in Isaiah to the king, uh, king Cyrus. He says, though you do not know me, I knew you later in in his book. So how he's going to be sending forth King Cyrus to eventually be anointed and release the Jewish people from captivity. So God is behind all the events in history. And we'll let him continue, but we do not deny that. And Craig, I think, does. Yes, Whatever. that's um, what we emphasize. But, but we do not, and so we say that his point is moot. Any God who would allow children by the millions to suffer and die in this way, and their parents to grieve in this way, either can do nothing to help them, or doesn't care to. He is therefore either impotent or evil. No. And that's what we just said. Okay. I won't reiterate. How about you do, Theodore? <laughs> okay, this is probably my longest comment. It's a paragraph, but... Mm -hmm. uh, wouldn't you say that there is an acceptable amount of pain and suffering? Uh, do you think death or a transition out of this perishable earthly life, per se, or an ex existential migration, if you will, <laughs> is unacceptable for God to, of all... Uh, for the God of all to facilitate, especially for those God will pluck into paradise, which by the sound of it seems like a happier life. And do you think God can't relate, i.e. Jesus having suffered unjustly and excruciatingly at the hands of his own people? And do you think absolutely nothing can, uh, nothing good can come of suffering? Do you think virtues are not woven through work and patience through pain and empathy through enduring? Therefore, we can see Sam can only offer, like you said, Michael, uh, an emotional accusation of God, inevitably without any adequate evidence to prove him guilty for anything. Rather, our arrogance is humbled as we read scriptures such as the following. Um, I got something from Romans 9, Isaiah 41, and Job 38. You want me to read all yeah, those? Yeah, lay them out. Or, we always want to base things okay. in scripture as Christians, yeah. Okay, <laughs> from Romans 9. But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery, special purposes, and some for common use? Isaiah 41 says, or Lord says, Present your case. Set forth your arguments. Tell us, you idols, what is going to happen. Tell us what the former things were so that we may consider them and know their final outcome. Declare to us the things to come. Tell us what the future holds so we may know what uh, that you are gods. Job 38. Um, this is after, obviously, chapter 38, plenty of chapters previously of a bunch of grumbling and complaining of uh, Job and his friends trying to convince him that, you know, bad stuff. Um, so God says, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself. I will question you and you shall answer me. 
Where were you when I founded the earth? Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or where the winds, where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Um, because okay. We can trust from Romans 8 that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's basically my comment for that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's a reiteration of what me and Sebastian were saying, except eloquently in the Theodore language, because <laughs> just to keep pounding on it, Sam Harris believes that human suffering is inherently evil. And just like you said, Theodore, even the simplest, even somebody who doesn't believe in God knows that work which is suffering, we all do not like our jobs, is good. It builds character, it builds wealth, it does others well. It's the whole basis of capitalism, which is really just God's law in economics and action. So these things that require suffering are good. So all the more we trust that God, who brings mass suffering and mass blessing on peoples, has a good purpose for all the suffering. It doesn't necessarily mean it's for the good of those particular individuals who suffer either, but it's for the greater good. Now, the reason a lot of people stray away from the language greater good is because of like central planning and communists and, and human despots <laughs> who say, I know the greater good and it is for me to get your stuff. I totally understand the fear of the greater good. And so we should not allow human priests or uh, human despots to decide what the greater good is because they are actually trying to take the place of what only God should decide. But we should not and cannot blame God rightfully um, for a tsunami saying that he has done something evil he might i mean he's brought great calamity so he's done evil to you you could say but in the grand scheme of things that evil that objective evil the killing of babies or whatever it is is actually good if you look at it from god's perspective because he sees the whole picture it just it shows his glory it might be setting up for greater justice and stories that please him and that is actually what's good that the human suffering is justified because of the good that comes from it so we're not saying that we should cause babies to suffer or whatever else, um, but it is not evil of God to bring a tsunami, to bring disaster on humankind. And the reason for that is just like how talked about the communist, when they say the greater good, when humans say that, what they are really meaning is my greater good or, and in spite of yours. So I mean, there are probably a handful of well-meaning communists who truly are willing to self-sacrifice for what they think is the greater good but unfortunately they don't they don't know perfectly what the greater good right. is unlike god i was thinking more like stalin but yes i suppose there's right. nicer people mm -hmm. than him and to go back to sam harris's particular point the very small point he just made he said that a god who allows for suffering and he describes the suffering in emotional terms a god who allows for suffering is either incompetent because he couldn't stop it or he's evil because he brought it um and we would say He's not, we would say yes to the incompetence part. We believe that God, that a God that can't stop evil is truly incompetent, incapable, not a God worthy of being God, not actually God. And so when Christians counter this point and say, well, God can't help it, or God is allowing these things because of the greater good of free will, we would say, where, one, where is that greater good of free will pointed out in the Bible? It's not. And then two, um, where does it say that God can't help it? it? It doesn't. God is clearly capable of all things, as the Bible points out. And so we deny a God of incapability who is not willing to help. We give a we we serve a God, and we see from the scriptures that our God, He is willing 
to do it is good. And so he's fully in control of these disaster scenarios. It's just his will that a tsunami hit Japan or wherever else you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I hope, yes, as we let him go on, that you can see the difference in our response compared to what many people that lean towards the side of the human freedom, human Mm -hmm. free will, would really struggle with the with that with the problem Harris has laid out. And worse than that, on Dr. Craig's view, most of these people, many of these people certainly, will be going to hell because they're praying to the wrong God. Just think about that. Okay, through no fault of their own, they were born into the wrong culture where they got the wrong theology and they missed the revelation. Okay, there, there are 1.2 billion people in India at this moment. Most of them are Hindus, most of them therefore polytheists. Okay, in Dr. Craig's universe, no matter how good these people are, they are doomed. If you are, if you are praying to the monkey god Hanuman, you are doomed. You'll be tortured in hell for eternity. Now, is there the slightest evidence for this? No. It just says so in Mark 9 and Matthew 13 and Revelation 14. So I'll go back to the point. He's just reiterating that that people dying is bad, especially if they suffer in hell. Um, God's justice is shown in those who burn in hell, so it's not bad objectively from God's perspective. Now, do we want to suffer in hell? No, of course we don't. And that's why we call every person that's hearing to repent and turn to Christ because those who do are saved in Christ. I have a gentle correction for Harris that you're not going to hell <coughs> just for believing in the wrong God. You are going to permanent to permanently be separated from the presence of God because you have chosen instead to place yourself in that place where God should be in your life. And instead you are you have sinned willfully. You have wanted to put yourself up with other people. You have not loved your fellow man perfectly. So even I've heard some people say that, you know, you are judged based on what you're not like. Sure. Even grant, granting granting that, that you will be judged by God after you die based on just the basic morality that you could have known in your life, even then we would all fall short and make fools of ourselves because we haven't treated others lovingly all the time. Mm-hmm. We have put ourselves, we have done evil things to others to all kinds of degrees. So just gentle correction. It's not just because you're not worshiping the right God. It's because of all the evil you have done and God has to punish evil that you have done if god is so loving in order to display his love and compassion he has to punish you because you have hurt people that he loves other creatures so yeah and and of course rebel against him yeah okay, perhaps you'll remember from the lord of the rings it says when the elves die they go to valinor but they can be reborn in middle earth i say that just as a point of comparison and i'll say so his, his, the other half what we didn't address is that he's saying that there's no evidence for believing that God damns people to hell except for the Bible. He quotes passages in the Bible that talk about hell. And then he's then he, clearly he makes the comparison here to um, a man-made fiction from J.R.R. Tolkien that is uh, the, the Lord of the Rings. So he's saying this isn't evidence. The Lord of the Rings is not evidence. The Lord of the Rings exists. And therefore the Bible is not evidence that the truth of the Bible exists. Um, but of course... The Bible is purporting not only to be real, unlike the Lord of the Rings, which is purporting to be fiction, um, but also the Bible is attested to by historical evidence. So, for example, the Lord of the Rings written by the pen hand of J.R.R. Tolkien. We know it's coming just from him. He says it's a fictional world. Look at that. We have author approval as well. Um, We have other works of fiction that we don't hold to. We don't believe them to be true because they're not attested to by historical record. For example, the Viking mythologies 
not only are they not consistent with themselves, we also don't have an origin point for them. We don't have any dating for them. They just come about, right? And we have our earliest manuscripts of Viking mythologies that we have to flesh together. Whereas the biblical history, which comes out of the Old Testament, we have dates when the events occurred. Um, there's there's timelines of when people lived, the attributions of all the, the people who would have passed on these stories and then eventually wrote them down. Um, we have the witness of Jesus Christ, who is the God-man, who not only lived amongst many witnesses, but also taught these things. So these are the sayings of Jesus Christ, um, not just the sayings of Mark, Matthew, whoever else. And they're attested to by separate witnesses like the Gospels are, and they're attested to by, of course, the writings of Paul and the other epistles. So it's not just a single source, even though it's a single Bible, it's a collation of many sources, and they're all speaking about things said by Jesus in the New Testament's case. And so it's not like they witnessed hell. They just heard it from Jesus. And we believe in, of course, Jesus being the God-man because of his witness, his resurrection, and his miracles. Mm -hmm. So that's the evidence for you is that the God-man said it. Here's the proof that the God-man said it, a bunch of corroborating witnesses that he said it, and then his own actions prove that he is the God-man. Again, those are the evidences to go by, not just the text itself. Okay, so God created the cultural isolation of the Hindus. Okay? He engineered the circumstance of their deaths in ignorance of revelation, and then he created the penalty for this ignorance, which is an eternity of conscious torment in fire. I covered here. <laughs> okay. So keeping in mind what you guys already said, um, and I wrote for this was, we are promised, according to Matthew 25, verse 15, that each is given according to his ability. According to Genesis 18, 25, that the judge of all the earth will deal justly. Not whatever we thought was just 1,000 years ago, or today, or in a 1,000 years in, a few, in the future, but genuine eternal justice will be done. So along with the verses previously mentioned, none of us can comprehensively judge another individual's existence, nor do we have the authority, thank God, to assign an eternal verdict to anyone else. That being said, though, it is in a... Uh, <laughs> As opposed to the eternity of conscious torment and fire, um, it is an, an acceptable view according to gotquestions.org. Yes, <laughs> that's places. actually what I was going to say, according to gotquestions.org. <laughs> and it's a view held by many Christians, um, and one to which I am sympathetic, that the ultimate result of hell is not necessarily an eternally infinite conscious fiery torment, but rather that at some point the person's soul or consciousness will experience the second death, uh, as in Revelations, or as in Revelation 20, verse 14, and die, become rubble, stubble, ash, vapor, smoke, perish, John 3, 16, be destroyed, disintegrate, or come to nothing. Um, these are all things um, that Scripture uses. And as it says in Matthew 10, 28, do not fear the one who can kill the body, is un unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. There are also some well-known names of clear supporters of conditional immortality um, who are acknowledged and accepted as Christians, like Chris Date, who seems to be the most popular modern proponent, proponent along with people like Richard Swinburne and John Stott, and also Ignatius from the first century and Irenaeus from the second century. And in any case, I mean, if you've watched Found Cause enough, you'll see that Theodore and, and I and Sebastian disagree on this point. But what we all do agree on is that this uh, eternal punishment, so whether it's eternal punishment and torment or eternal punishment that ends, um, it's bad. 
And so we agree with Sam Harrison that God did design and set up this engineer, as he says, this system where the Hindus, either in ignorance or in willing rebellion, have rebelled against him and committed sins, like Sebastian said, many countless sins, um, and that they would be punished. So we agree that that is a God-given reality. I would also say this is not a good example. If you are kind enough to go to one of our videos on the true history of the Eastern Christianity, you will note that India has not been kept in the dark, and rather an apostle himself landed in the coast of India, Sri Lanka, and also Pakistan, attested by me and other sources, of course. <laughs> yes, the ultimate source. Yes, by other sources. So that would be a bad example. I would rather stake, um, raise the stakes, so to say, and say the Americas would be a better example. Right. So I would just a gentle correction. You know that India has not been kept in the dark. Christianity has been there since the time of the apostle. Not to say that individual idioms have not been led in the dark, but again, it's kind of a uh, categorical people judgment then that their ancestors rejected the Lord as he came and then they rejected his apostles and now they still reject him as the gospel goes further and further. It's harder and harder to avoid. They still reject him. So um, they're justly judged because of their sins. They're extra judged if and when they do hear the gospel and then reject it. So perhaps it's a mercy on them that they don't know the gospel that they would reject anyways, and then they die in their sins. Um, but we as Christians share the gospel because we want people to be saved. Um, but indeed, we don't we don't uh, reject that God had kept people in ignorance um, for longer than we would think they needed to be. But of course, God's plan is better than ours because of the definition of what is good, um, which is what God wills. Right. And then back on the example with the Americas, God is perfectly um, in his right to not have to send an apostle the year, what, um, 40, 40 AD to the Americas, to the Inca or to Ma the Mayan civilizations and whatnot, because they're all will willingly rebelling against them. Mm -hmm. So it's not as if he, if he has to save them because they no human wants to be saved. This is something we drill down the found cause. We get this from Romans. We get this from Christ himself. You are not able to seek after God on your own because our hearts are tainted, corrupted, whatever word you want to use. And that is why we'll be justly punished in hell, not because of what we wrongly believe, but rather for the sinful desires of our heart. Right. And a lot of atheists and Christians and whoever else so-called Christians and others hate this philosophy. But you must admit as an atheist or anybody who disagrees with this philosophy that it's sound, even if you hate it. The fact that we believe that the definition of good is what God does and therefore God is good um, and that all his actions are justified because he is the definition of what is good and just, that that's sound. That's a sound philosophy. You might disagree with it, but you disagree with it on baseless grounds yourself because we say that God is the definition of what is good and we look to God for the definition definition of what things are. Um, and you point to yourself, to your, your grid that you've made of what's good and what's bad. Your John Locke or whatever else, like who do you point to for your basis of things? And when mm -hmm. you do, why them? Why stop there? We stop at the ultimate, the one who created everything, and that is God. So that's why we believe what we believe, and we believe it's a sound philosophy that defeats those like Sam Harris. Okay, on the other hand, on Dr. Craig's account, your run-of-the-mill serial killer in America, okay, who, who spent his life raping and torturing children, need only come to God, come to Jesus on death row, and after a final meal of fried chicken, he's going to spend an eternity in heaven after death. Okay. One thing should be crystal clear to you. This vision of life has absolutely nothing to do with moral accountability. <laughs> Interesting. Did you have a response to this, Theodore? Okay, so <clears throat> with the serial killer ending up in heaven, supposedly, according to this story, 
I would say, if someone takes offense to someone else being in heaven, then he neither knows the mercy of God nor the holiness of God. Therefore, that person who somehow feels victimized or offended to be in heaven alongside other people probably wouldn't be in heaven anyway. Nonetheless, mercy is not fair. But if anything makes it fair, it is the cost of the mercy to the giver of the mercy, that is God. But also, God is holy and righteous, and all sin, no matter how egregious it is, is infinitely far and apart and separated from God's holiness. So, as I envision it, as a like a zoomed-out view, murder, uh, like, God, I don't know, God's holiness, our sins, zoomed-out view, <laughs> murder is not too far from hate, which is not too far from envy, on and on, because they are all gross and disgraceful and damnable compared to what is required for holiness. But if you zoom in just to the spectrum of sin itself, then you might see one is a bit worse than another and another than another. But in the view of God, in the view of perfection, all sin renders the sinner inadequate and self-condemned. Therefore, we should not take offense, even if a former, former serial killer ends up in heaven, because he will have been changed. He will have been born again, just like us. For we all stood condemned and deserved damnation, but God had mercy on us all. And as I heard in a message by John Bevere, <laughs> uh, when he spoke at River Valley sometime, uh, he mentioned that Jesus, the one who secured our salvation, is the only one with the right to be offended, because he was the only righteous one, and yet was treated as the worst of sinners. And isn't that, I mean, I'm glad to hear, actually, that the gospel is still scandalous because you hear that in church and, like, nobody is, the grandmas are sleeping in the back. Like, <laughs> nobody is scandalized by the gospel and we've heard it so many times. And yet we here we see, like, the actual gospel is still scandalous. It's still offensive to Sam Harris and those who actually think about it because he says he's offended. He's offended that the serial killer is forgiven his sins and some Hindu is not because... And I think rightfully, he says, the sins of the serial killer are worse than the Hindu. And I would say, yeah, they are. He killed, and killing requires death, blood for blood in that case, in God's law. And so he receives his just punishment in this life, whether by the hands of men and the death penalty, which it sounds like Sam Harris is talking about, this final meal of fried chicken or whatever else, um, or by the hands of God, and then he just dies naturally. Um, but in any case, he receives his punishment here on earth, and then he should receive his punishment in heaven, i.e. hell. God punishes sin with hell. He also punishes the evil Hindu who did not murder, so he does not receive his punishment on earth um, in that same way. He doesn't receive the death penalty because he didn't do something worthy of death on earth, but he still has the death penalty in heaven because he still sinned against his neighbor and against the living God. And so when he comes to heaven, he is equally under this exact same judgment as the serial killer as far as going to hell. Now, the difference between them, and this is the scandal of the gospel, is that they're both going to be judged by works, but it's whose works they're judged on that is the difference between them both. The serial killer is no longer judged on his works. That's the whole message of the gospel, is that his works are covered by Christ's works. And so Christ died, took the punishment of the serial killer, instead gave the serial killer, his good works. So when God judges the serial killer, he actually judges it based on Christ's actions, which were perfectly righteous. And for the Hindu, who did not hide in Christ, he has to face his own actions before God, which damn him. So yes, every man is judged by his works, but it depends on whose works God is judging him on, Christ or himself. And if anybody stands to be judged on his own works, he'll be damned. And Christ, again, is not forced to give out his gift of salvation to 
anybody that he doesn't have to it is a gift that's why it's over and over a gift i mean i can think of even christians that might struggle with this point and even christ gave a parable on this on matthew 20 i was immediately reminded that there's workers there's a parable of hired workers some are hired very early in the day others later on and then others later on the ones who were hired earliest i would parallel this to being christians i've been from christians from a very long time they start complaining the workers they start complaining those who were hired last worked only one hour of the day they said and you have made them equal to us who are born the burden of the work and the heat of the day but he answered let's see christ answered one of them i'm not being unfair to you friend didn't you agree to work for a denarius take your pay and go I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Indeed. So in this case, Sam Harris really is just envious that the Lord is generous to the serial killer. Um, he's judging all men by their works, but some hide in Christ. And please notice the double standard that people like Dr. Craig use to, to exonerate God from all this evil. Okay, we're told that God is loving and kind and just and intrinsically good, but when someone like myself points out the ob rather obvious and compelling evidence that God is cruel and unjust because he visits suffering on innocent people of a scope and scale that would, would embarrass the most ambitious psychopath, okay, we're told that God is mysterious. Okay, who can understand God's will? I mean, fundamentally, I don't think Craig gives a very good defense here, but you've heard our defense of God's actions is that we know God is just. So while we might not know exactly what is just about his actions, to say we don't know exactly all the things he has planned for a tsunami that kills millions of people, we do know that there is a plan and that it is good because it's God's goodness. So it's not inconsistent. It's not a double standard. It's the same standard we use for everything. If God does it, it is good. And so we know that the actions of God are good. Now, the actions of man might be bad, and the consequences might be bad in the small picture in and of themselves, like millions of dead children that's bad um, but again that's not accounting for the greater plan that god has for more life in that region or more glory to himself whatever judgment perhaps in that people there's a whole slew of things that god could be doing and what we don't do is presume to know all the reasons god is doing something because we're not prophets and that's why we we appeal to mystery when we say why did god hit indonesia with the tsunami in 2004 we don't know. We can see some of the good now. We've seen some of the aid that's come out of uh, the 2004 tsunami, um, but we're, we're not the ones to say everything that came out of that is um, what exactly it was for. But the key is God can tell us because he is fully sovereign over all events. So it's not that he doesn't have a purpose or he's like, oopsie, I couldn't, I tried to restrain that tsunami, but I was just like slipping on my hand. I forgot to watch you know indonesia that part of that part of day no he's fully aware of all the events even christ himself himself gives an example in john 9 as he went along he saw a man blind from birth his disciples asked him rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind neither this man nor his parents sinned said jesus but this happened so that the works of god might be displayed in him this is one of a few times in history, there are other times in the Bible too that God says why something happens. This man was born blind from birth. He's probably a 40, 50 year old man, meaning he's been crawling around, not being able to see, tripping over. You can imagine that's a lot of suffering. Mm -hmm. It's not, I, I wouldn't want to be born blind and I'm already partially blind as it is, we both are. And Jesus is saying this happened so that now today, 40 years, 40 plus years later, the works of God himself 
might be displayed. So this man suffered for 40 years, but what came out of it was infinitely, in my opinion, infinitely, in God's too, infinitely greater than suffering for 40 years. We have a testimony that hundreds or thousands of peoples would have seen the healing of this man, because Jesus heals a man. And also it has been permanently registered in the word of God for millions of other Christians to look back into this event that testified to the uh, miracles of Jesus Christ. So what may seem like a big deal to us in a small scale because we're limited and we're time bound. Suffering for 40 years is, means absolutely nothing to the joy that this man would have in heaven and also all the blessing that he has given to the people in the time that saw this and experienced this and the healing and transformation that they witnessed and also eternity too. Mm-hmm. And when Sam Harris, he thinks he's smart when he says that there's a double standard. When you say that hum- if a human caused the tsunami and killed millions of people, it would be an evil human and we all agree. But if God causes a tsunami that kills millions of people, we say he's good because he's God and that's a double standard. That's the equivalent of saying that when a woman wears a dress and acts feminine, that's good. When a man wears a dress and acts feminine, that's bad. And it's because they're fundamentally different things. It's not a double standard. The standard is women should be feminine and men should be masculine, not the other way around. So in the same way, God's will is fundamentally always going to be different than man's will. So when God says, do not murder, and then he kills, he's justified. He didn't say, I shall not murder. He said, you shall not murder. So it's evil for men to murder, not for God to murder. And that's 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 how morality works. The standard is always from God to men, not the other way around. So it's not a double standard. It's the same standard we judge everything by. And the reason for that is he made the universe. He is greater than the universe. Otherwise, we, we should not work. No one in the found cause should worship God if he's not greater than the world he created. So if he is just like us, like Mormons would believe, that's probably not a God we should be worshiping. He's greater than that. He gets to set the rules because he has made everything. And we can either like it or not like it i mean just on the very very practical lens yeah exactly you either you either live in christ or you die against him now i didn't come to christ because of some fear-mongering like that mm-hmm. um, but the truth is yes you're either uh, dying as a rebel or living as a slave to christ and so capitulate and be a slave to christ that's the call to everyone okay, and yet this is precisely this merely human understanding of god's will is precisely what believers use to establish his goodness in the first place you know, something good happens to a Christian. Some, he feels some bliss while praying, say, or he sees some positive change in his life, and we're told that God is good. Okay, but when children by the tens of thousands are torn from their parents' arms and drowned, we're told that God is mysterious. No, we say God is good. We also don't know all the reasons he might bless us. He might bless us with a cool car, and we'd be like, thanks, God, you gave me this car because it's cool. But honestly, his will is just as mysterious because he could have given you a cool car for a whole litany of reasons, including picking up orphans or maybe selling it later or whatever else. Like he could have a ton of reasons why he gave you a particular blessing. So just like his cursings are mysterious and exactly why they've happened, so too are his blessings. So we should praise God in both the suffering and the blessing because we know that his will is always good. And we should not justify God being good just because of his good gifts. He is good because of who he is and his good gifts are a reflection of of that character. So when we see God's justice, we should praise God. We should mourn and be fearful because we know that we also deserve great justice. But in any case, we should praise God for justice in the same way that we should praise him when there's blessing. So I don't deny Sam Harris is right that there are 
ununderstanding or two-faced Christians who will only praise God when he gives blessing and they don't praise him when he gives justice. And it's harder said than done, um, but we, we should, and it's Christian theology to praise him in both times. So we don't justify God's goodness by his actions. He is justified by being God in his very nature. Please check yeah. with Job for more information. Right. <laughs> As Peter even quoted. This is how you play tennis I, without the net. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to, my sentence was basically what you said, but he is not good and evil. He's not bipolar or chaotic, mm -hmm. hypocritical or contradictory, but he is good and mysterious. Right. Like other descriptions of, in the mm -hmm. Bible. Yeah. Okay, and I want to suggest to you that it is not only tiresome when otherwise intelligent people speak this way, it is morally reprehensible. This kind of faith is, is really is the perfection of narcissism. I mean, God loves me, don't you know? He, he cured me of my eczema. He, he makes me feel so good while singing in church. And, and just when we had given up hope, he found a banker who was willing to reduce my mother's mortgage. Okay. Given all, the, all that this God of yours does not accomplish in the lives of others, given, given the, the misery that's being imposed on some helpless child at this instant, this kind of faith is obscene. But again, I guess Sam Harris is exactly laid out in the parable where he says, because God gives to some and not to others, he is evil. He's just jealous of God's graciousness. None of us deserve to have our eczema cured. None of us deserve to have a banker that reduces the rate of our mortgage. Um, and we certainly don't, elsewise, deserve food or living or clothing or whatever else or salvation. But he gives it to those he gives it to. And yes, because of his justice, there will be some who he does not give it to. And that is, that is his will. And you can rage against that or you could submit to God and be saved, be one of his elect. So it's not because of our greatness that we're saved. It's because of God's graciousness. It's not because I was so wise that I chose God. God chose me and picked up a rebel so that I would even come to him in the first place. And so we don't boast in it of ourselves. And I certainly do not believe that the minor sufferings that we in the West today receive versus the major sufferings that our predecessors or other people in the world receive will not be reflected in the glories and jewels that God will reward his people with in heaven. I believe that smaller sufferings get smaller rewards. And so I don't, I, Sam doing the whole like we've got first world problems and then we see first world cures and we praise God for it while third worlders are suffering um, isn't lost on me. But know that God is justified in all and he might cure you of your eczema and uh, save somebody from a tsunami. And meanwhile, he might give you eczema, which is a minor problem to have, or he might destroy your whole family in a tsunami, which is a major problem to have. In any case, God is justified. It does not disprove God to say that he's in the details and the major events. Right. And also, I see, might be obvious, but he's coming from the perspective that he'll probably say that human beings are mostly good, whereas scripture says the opposite, that in our hearts, there's no one good, not even one. No one seeks after God. We have all gone astray. And from Romans, and also quoting from Oh my, the, the Psalms. The Psalms, yes, the Psalms. In the Psalms also says that David says, as a prophet of God, that I was sinful, not, not just me, all of us are sinful from birth. So from a child, you still want to put your own desires above the desires that are good, the rules that God has set in the universe for us, for our own benefit. We want to put ourselves in his place. And thus we are rebelling against God from even a young age. So there's no one good. No one deserves to have a nice car, a air conditioning, whatever you have in the US, you know, running water. You don't deserve that. Praise God that we do have it. Mm -hmm. And 
but it's not something that we deserve and therefore we become conceited in it. So, I don't know. I just have a problem that he's assuming that everyone deserves to have the, the same blessings from God. Right. Okay, this, to think in this way is to fail to reason honestly or to care sufficiently about the suffering of other human beings. It's not. Sam is thoroughly disproving a God of his own creation. He said, if a God existed, the God that I understand to exist, he's either incompetent or evil because I have a measure of good and I have a measure of competence. But that's the Christian God doesn't call the things that Sam is calling evil, evil. He calls everything that he does good. And so he's not disproving the real God. He's disproving his own God. So yes, Sam Harris's God is not worthy of believing in. And so Sam Harris doesn't believe in him. But the true and living God is worthy of believing in. And Sam Harris still rejects him. In fact, he dares not even contemplate him in this debate. Is that setting up a straw man, what he did? Yes. Okay. He's, he's set up a fake God and said that fake God can't exist. And we say, yeah, I mean, I agree <laughs> that a God that is evil cannot exist, isn't the real God. Um, you have the wrong perception of evil. So you think the real God is evil and therefore you're fighting the wrong God. And if God is good and loving and just and kind, and he wanted to guide us morally with a book, why give us a book that supports slavery? Why give us a book that admonishes us to kill people for imaginary crimes like witchcraft? <laughs> witchcraft is not an imaginary crime, and slavery can be good, depending on your kind of slavery, um, as controversial as it is to say. And Absolutely. so your standard for morality is what, Sam? Do you get out your, your protractor and decide exactly what portions of humanity deserve to get good and that the ultimate good is utilitarianism or something like that? It's all out of your own butthole. You need, a, you need an ultimate standard. And if you just decide that human enlightenment, human, human greatness is your standard, first of all, you'll fail at getting it, just like the central planners, central planners of communism have always failed at trying to achieve human perfection and maximum human utility. But also, um, it's coming out of nowhere. Like this basis is just because you've decided that human good is good. Who says? In fact, there's so many environmentalists out there that write movies and stories and the like that show humanity getting wiped out is actually good because humans are intrinsically evil. So I think that's just as valid as a philosophy as you saying that human good is good. Um, and therefore, at least it's just as valid, if not more valid, to say that God's definition of good is good, not yours. Now, of course, there's a way of not taking these questions to heart. According to Dr. Craig's divine command theory, God is not bound by moral duties. God doesn't have to be good. Whatever he commands is good. So when he commands that the Israelites to slaughter the Amalekites, that behavior becomes intrinsically good because he commanded it. Okay, well, here we're being offered, I'm glad he raised the issue of psychopathy, we're being offered a psychopathic and psychotic moral attitude. It's psychotic because this is completely delusional. There's no reason to believe that we live in a universe ruled by an invisible monster, Yahweh. Did he just become a Gnostic? There's a lot of assumptions there, right? He, he associates um, morality, even though there's no reason for morality. So equally, there's no reason there for him. And then he calls Yahweh a monster, again, based on that fake morality of his. And so he says, there's no reason. It's psychotic because there's no reason that God is real. Wasn't that the whole topic of the debate is, is God real? And so is God good? Um, he says it's psychotic because God's not even real. Well, it seems like a kind of a red herring non sequitur to say that God is not real in this case because the topic of the debate is, is God good? And I guess you could say God's not good because he's not real, but that's not what Sam is really arguing. So he throws in a non sequitur there, I believe. Uh, right. And he is uh, equating the actions of God against with what a human would do because when a human tries to seek retribution from someone else, it's out of normally it's out of pettiness and definitely not perfect, 100% perfect, clear, 
sense of justice and righteousness when humans try to seek on their own. This is speaking without the Holy Spirit on, on their own. So when he says the, well, I would, I would say even more, if, if it's worth talking about it for with you guys, that God did give the command, thou shalt not murder. And at the same time, a thousand plus years later, he ordained the death of Jesus Christ to be killed on the cross. Mm-hmm. So that is the difference between his what he prescribes people and then also his ultimate will. Right. And we will definitely not shy away from God commanding the Amalekites to be slaughtered, which mm-hmm. he did. He has every right to. It's not psychopathic. It's the true nature of God. You, Sam Harris, have made yourself God. That's the difference between us. But it is... It is psychopathic because this is a total detachment from from the well-being of human beings. It is so easily rationalized. I mean, I, I keep saying the same thing. Uh-huh. He keeps basing his morality on the same thing, but his morality is the well-being of human beings, which he determines. So if it's what he determines to help human beings, one, and then helping human beings is a good thing. Those are the two assumptions he makes, which he has not established here. And we established that helping fellow human beings is only good because God says it's good, because God is the basis of all things. When God says, slaughter the Amalekites, He's justified. It's good because what God says is good. We have a very consistent standard. Sam Harris does not. For the record, we have evidence of, of the sins of the people in the land did before the Israelites were coming in. Mm-hmm. There's a, a nice channel called Bible Archaeology. Excellent. The, um, the guy, I forget the name right now, the professor that leads it, but it's um, found a jar, a clay, a jars made of clay with burned babies inside of them, or also a sacrificial altar in which girls were cut in half, cut in half for ritual sacrifice, for for human sacrifice. So clearly, these people weren't like, oh, like some nice uh, Hindus or like you know whatever other example he may want to give. No, these were very despicable people that God had allowed for a, a long time to repent, and they, in their hardness of their heart, they did not want to turn to God. They did not want to stop their human sacrifices and other evil that they did. So I was like, okay. Punishment for murder is execution. Yep. And they are n- not stopping murdering their own children, so I guess we're going to have to execute them. Right. The slaughter of children. Okay, just, th- just think about the Muslims at this moment who are blowing themselves up, okay, convinced that they are agents of God's will. There is absolutely nothing that Dr. Craig can, s- can say against their behavior in moral terms, apart from his own faith-based claim that they're praying to the wrong God. If they have... But that's everything, right? If the standard is your God, then the fact that they have a different God is everything. You yourself, Sam, say you that that you have a different standard. You have a different standard, and it's yourself. You're a judge of what's good for people. And that's what separates you from Craig. So do you basically have nothing apart, uh, separate that separates you from the Muslim, except that you worship a different God? Worshiping a different God is everything. Had the right God, what they were doing... Yeah, they missed something. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, it was about uh, him mentioning stuff, uh, stuff about more misery and suffering, uh, emotional appeal, pleading, mm-hmm. um, that a Christian's faith in God is obscene. Um, but I just wanted to read Romans 8, verse 18, um, who's written by, which is written by Paul, who suffered probably more than we ever will. Um, and he says, for I consider that our present sufferings cannot even be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us. Indeed. And that's for Christians, of course. But uh, 
Yes, our, our sufferings here will be overcome in the joy of Christ. So they're really small things in the grand scheme of things for us who believe. Yes, suffering for a hundred years is nothing compared to living in the presence of God for millions, 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 and millions <laughs> eternity. So we call men like Sam, we call atheists in our audience, and we call any listening to repent and turn to the only saving grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to let Sam finish out here. On divine command theory. Now, I'm obviously not saying that all that Dr. Craig or all religious people are psychopaths and psychotics, but this to me is, is the true horror of religion. I mean, he is because he's saying they endorse the psychopathic, yeah, and they worship a psychopath. It allows perfectly decent and sane people to believe by the billions what only lunatics could believe on their own. Okay, if you wake up tomorrow morning thinking that saying a few Latin words over your pancakes is going to turn them into the body of Elvis Presley, okay, you have lost your mind. Well, I mean, we might be in agreement on that <laughs> with all of our uh, all our episodes on Catholics. Um, but, you know, the point stands. He's saying that if you believe something that um, you wouldn't believe without the Bible is true, then you've gone crazy. Well, we don't know a lot of things. If you believed that electricity existed back before electricity was discovered, you would also look crazy, but it didn't make it any less true. So just because something isn't intrinsically knowledgeable to mankind doesn't make it not true. And Sam would certainly agree that there's many things that mankind does not know that are still true. Okay. I have a mention for less... comment for that. What'd you say? I was going to say, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's also a stretch to say that all these people are perfectly decent. We all have fleshly carnal wants and desires, and we all know that cults all have tactics and formulas for making their people feel a certain way or catering to them until they are able to control them. Nonetheless, Christianity is, in a sense, about being adopted into a royal and righteous family. We were once of the wrath of the world, but having received mercy, we are now of the holy God and have come to know true selfless sacrificial love with a provable logical truth and archaeological evidences and spiritual experiences. And besides, the person of Jesus Christ is still recognized throughout most of the world as the most ideal, loving, noble, admirable, approachable human to have ever lived on earth. Amen. Same thing about a cracker in the body of Jesus. You're just a Catholic. And I'm not the first person to notice that it's a, it's a very strange sort of loving God who would make salvation depend on believing in him on bad evidence. It's... it's if you lived 2,000 years ago, there was evidence galore, and he was just performing miracles, but apparently he got tired of being so helpful. Okay, and so now we, we all inherit this very heavy burden of the do- I just want to cut it and say, the Bible says this. I bring this from, from biblical standard, but I'll just say it also. Um, if Sam Harris was to witness a miracle, he would still hate God and turn away. That's... I was going to comment on that. <laughs> Same thing? Go ahead, Theodore. All right. He's right that our God is strange in that all other gods seem to require some sort of offer exchange or contract with little humans. But the God of Christianity offers salvation by faith without consideration of merit, works, and worth. Mm-hmm. How about so-called bad evidence? Jesus spoke of evil people wanting signs and wonders, that they wouldn't even be convinced even if someone rose from the dead. Um, even Satan presumably dwelled in the pre- presence of God for a time and yet was possessed by pride and rebellion to pursue and prioritize his own thoughts and schemes above that of God's. The Bible speaks of a bunch of miracles, but that's because it is a condensed history. There might have been many centuries where no miracles were written down, possibly, um, and or none remained for posterity. The gospel, rather, is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. 
It is the word of God that saves and transforms us, not some overbearing, domineering, ever-present revelation of God breathing over our shoulders. Well, and truly, I, and this goes for all of us, so I'm not saying that I also don't think like this often, but Sam Harris and other atheists that are demanding miraculous signs in order for them to believe God somehow think that they are the main character. They've got that Gen Z main character energy where they are, um, you know, the center of the author of life. And so, of course, if God were real, he would show them, me, whoever, insert yourself there, a sign, because otherwise... If I didn't see God's miracles, I wouldn't believe, and I would perish, and God wouldn't let that happen, would he? Who, who are you, Sam Harris, that you think God cares about you enough to show you some miracles that you believe? What if you are, as billions of people are, and you yourself know that Christians believe this, so why would you not think that you yourself are one of the billions of people that are judged by God every day, every time they die, and sent to hell without any miracles to save them, without any special signs for them. This is the way of God. And so when you stare that kind of stark reality in the face, you should never expect to receive a miracle to be proven God. If you get it, I mean, hallelujah, praise God for saving you in such a interventionist way. But you assume that a loving God would care about you particularly? Probably not. He probably is punishing you to hell. And he's been careful enough to keep you alive to this date. We are only saved by God indeed. It's not because of something in our worth. It's because of God's choosing. So turn to God and be saved. Don't don't boast and say that um, you are important enough that if God were real, he would have shown you a miracle or that he would have shown the, the billions of people that have lived since Christ miracles. He has no need to and he is not obligated to. So the fact that he hasn't done them in recorded biblical history since Bible times is not a knock against God. And of course, there's plenty of reported miracles today, but even if you discount those as not real, God didn't need to show any more miracles than what he already has. Doctrine's implausibility. And, 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 and the effort to square it with what we now know about the cosmos and, we, and what we know about the all two human origins of scripture becomes more and more difficult. He assumes that the human origins of scripture are false. Um, we can go into that all day long, but we won't because this is a shorter, ep- or we're trying to make this shorter <laughs> than three hours long. Um, and then two, sure. same thing with the cosmos, the cosmological evidence he so assumes is of course for the Big Bang and the age of the universe, um, with which there's plenty of dispute on as well. So he assumes that humans know things that we just don't. And, and it's not just the generic God that Dr. Craig is recommending. It is, it is God the Father and Jesus the Son. Okay, Christianity, on Dr. Craig's account, is the true moral wealth of the world. Great. And you should never defend a generic God. You should always defend the actual God, because otherwise you're on losing ground. Well, I hate to break it to you here at Notre Dame, but Christianity is a cult of human sacrifice. Christianity is not a religion that, cel- that, that, that repudiates human sacrifice. It is a religion that celebrates a single human sacrifice as though it were effective. Amen. Yep. I mean, we're not turning away from that, kiddo. God so loved the world that he gave. I had a comment for that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Last one. So I just wanted to say that's a very poorly, uh, very poorly put and obviously defamat- uh, defamatory. Um, but if you were, uh, actually did his research and read the Bible, he could have cited John 15, verse 13, where Jesus says, No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay his life down for his friends. If that's what you take as human sacrifice, then... Yes, there you go. Yeah. Um, I suppose the movie Patriots or many other heroic movies where the hero dies to save his fellow man are also human sacrifice movies. I mean, a noble sacrifice, actually. So, yes, it is a religion of noble sacrifice, indeed. It is a noble sacrifice because it's not like he's just cutting out his own heart, like some Mayan or Aztec sacrifice, but rather the rebels are clubbing him to death and he is giving his life for the ransom of many. 
as he gives himself in the parable of the vineyard, you know, they beat up his messengers. And then the owner of the vineyard says, no, they will listen to my son, my beloved son. And what do they, what do, they do? The renters of the land, they say, let's get the guy. He is the, the inheritor. We can take possession of the land. Let's kill him. What is the vineyard owner going to do when he comes when he comes home? He's going to display all his mighty anger and wrath on the people that destroyed his son. So it is a noble sacrifice of Jesus Christ, not just some strange uh, human uh, like, you know, ritual sacrifice that you see in the Americas or the Canaanites or the Amalekites you would have seen. So this is just uh, it's defamatory, as right. theater said. John 3.16. Okay, the idea is that, that Jesus suffered the crucifixion so that none need suffer hell, except those, those billions in India and billions like them throughout history. Okay, this is, this is, this is a stride. This doctrine is a stride, a contemptible history of scientific ignorance and religious barbarism. We, we come from people who used to bury children in, under the foundations of new buildings as offerings to their imaginary gods. Okay, we just think yes, we do. And that's why we need the saving grace of Jesus Christ that Sam is rejecting. So I suppose he goes, he wants us to go back to the times where we bury children under the foundations of our houses because our own moral standards are our ruler. When we shouldn't be, the Lord is who keeps us from such barbarism. Sam Harris would never. He thinks he would. But he wouldn't. Right. Take the Roman Empire. The Roman, the ideals constructed by the people, the citizens, the elites, the enlightened folk of the Roman Empire was that only the strong survive and that manliness should be um, put over over everyone else's needs. Like your own, your own honor was the most important thing out there, meaning you had to make sure your wife submits, you beat her up good. If you don't have the son that you want... You instead get a daughter. You cannot decide to name your child and throw it out the window and leave it on the street to some dogs to eat it. Guess what? The Christians came over there, picked up the unwanted kids because the Roman society, the elites, the the thoughtful people, the king, the emperor would have thought that no, 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 it's good to do these things. With the Christian, the, the Christians were the ones who were actually doing the will of God, doing what is good mm -hmm. and preserving human life. From our perspective, we are preserving human life, what is commanded of us. And rescuing these people, transforming society, making evil laws into good laws that reflect the character and nature of God. So clearly good things happen when uh, Christians do influence and transform society. He's just taking all of that for granted. Yeah, I mean, it's a very practical argument, so I don't really like it because mm -hmm. um, it's, Jordan Peterson can make the same thing, but he doesn't even believe in God. He could say you should believe in Christianity because it's good for the world. Um, that may be true, but that's not the reason to believe in Christianity. However, in the same practical argument vein, even though I don't really like it, Sam Harris should be able to look out and see that atheists do not give. They don't give money. They don't adopt um, for, for good purposes. They, they don't do the good that they supposedly believe in because they make their own morals. It doesn't even pan out for humanity. So even on a pure practical basis, like Sebastian said, Christians do what is good. And the United States gives way more. In fact, our giving, uh, the stat was our giving um, as a private populace outpaces the public populace so the united states government gives less than the united states people um, to foreign aid um, to foreign countries and not just remittances for other countries but like foreign aid straight up giving to people mm -hmm. we've never known before christians adopt at multiples higher than any other rate and it's christians who empty foster care systems with terrible children that have been abused and are have behavior problems it's christians that adopt those people not atheists atheists look for babies that are impressionable so they can steal them and they can steal fruitful um 
childbearing couples and give them to gay people so that they can have a fantasy of having children. I mean, that is the secular culture and it evolves continuously. This is 2011 when he made this debate. It's now 2022, so 11 years later and morality has continued to decline and destroy society. People are more unhappy than they ever have been before and it's because they're abandoning the truth of the scriptures. Right, so that was most of my point that society was worse before Christianity right. or Judaism was introduced. Mm -hmm. About that. There, in, in vast numbers of societies, People would bury children in post holes, people like ourselves, thinking that this would prevent an invisible being from knocking down their buildings. These are the sorts of people who wrote the Bible. If there is a, a, a less moral, moral framework than the one Dr. Craig is proposing, I haven't heard of it. Did Isaiah command or Jeremiah command you to bury someone under some doorpost? Like, what is what? I mean, I don't deny that there are wicked people in the Bible and it's in the yes, time when people yes. would be doing this, but it wasn't commanded by God. And if there's a less moral framework than the God of the Bible, I'll tell you right now, it's every man's whims. Every man's heart is a factory of idols. And even Sam Harris's heart um, would have some men live and other men destroy themselves. I'm sure Sam Harris is a promoter, uh, I think he is, of the LGBTQ ideology, which has men destroying themselves and demolishing children all across the world, thinking they're doing them good, but are actually scarring people for the rest of their lives. That is evil, and that is a worse moral philosophy than many I can think of, including the ultimate philosophy, which is the Christian God. And there he is. So in summary, a classic argument, a problem of evil. Evil is there and God is good, so why is God allowing evil? Sam Harris says, um, there is true evil. Uh, it's there because I say so. And Christians believe in a God that allows this evil that makes them psychopathic. And here's um, people dying in tsunamis, and here's children being buried in doorposts, and ooga ooga Neanderthals believed in God, so you shouldn't either peace them out. Um, was it sophisticated? Kind of. I mean, I can see why people thought he was really smart back then. Uh, it's an old argument, but he gives it at least as good as you can. Um, maybe a maybe it could be refined a little bit. I don't really like the appeals to emotion. I think they're unnecessary um, for, again, the logic team, team logic. Um, but they do pull at the human heartstrings, whatever. It's a debate tactic. Um, any last comments? Gentlemen, I think we thoroughly at least addressed all his points he brought up. I have something I want to read from the Bible, but Theodore, do you have anything to say first? I'm good. Okie dokie. I have read this and discussed it with people in my church. I've talked to a lot on some that have gone through a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. And obviously, this is a Christian environment. But for anyone who may actually be dealing with either physical ailment, pain, any form of deformity, I don't know how else to put it, you know, some some ailment to the body, to the mind, family issues and whatnot, know that God is truly in control of all these events and has ordained them to happen as he wishes. We have laid out and we have explained to all over what we do here is the found cause, that God because he has created the universe, he has set up the rules of how it's supposed to work, what is good, what is bad. He has absolutely every right to do as he pleases. The beautiful thing is that he would rather show mercy and compassion over his wrath and uh, just destroy and wipe out everybody, which is what we deserve. But instead, he has held back his wrath, even though he didn't have, he didn't have to do that, and has decided to show love and mercy. As he says in, in the book of Jonah, slow to anger, and abounding in compassion. But I want to read from Genesis. Again, one of my favorite stories, Joseph. Here's a man 
who suffered a lot. He was falsely accused. He was sold into slavery by his own family who were jealous of him. They wanted to kill him. But I would say God restrained them from killing him. So, but nonetheless, he suffered a lot. He went through a, a lot of pain in his life for many years. Now he has been appointed chancellor, prime minister, whatever you want to call it, the equivalent of that in Egypt thousands of years ago. He was revealing himself to his brothers after all these years that they thought he was either dead or long gone. He said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. And he proceeds to tell the brothers, go back and bring bring the family over and whatnot. What, is he, what did Joseph just say? Yes, the brothers were the ones who did the actions, who actually sold him, who actually plotted to get rid of him and whatnot. He was falsely accused. Joseph says, who was, I would say, revealed by the Holy Spirit, that God is the one who was behind all these things. He was behind the suffering. He was behind all the false accusation that the, the wife of one of the soldiers of Pharaoh did against him, the jailing, all of that. God was truly behind all that and wanted all of that to happen so that, in this case, God is not mysterious. He tells us literally why he did it, to save millions of people from starvation. Now, we should rejoice that we have this example in which God, he doesn't have to do this, but he gladly laid out his reasons of why he allowed suffering in the life of this special person, Joseph. But rather, we should look to God knowing that he is consistent in his character. He is good. He is not some random, some maniac as Harris has tried to argue. And he's not the God of the Bible in the slightest. But rather, he is consistent, gives plenty of blessing. And even that blessing may look unpleasant to us like Job. But we shouldn't look to ourselves for what is good, but rather to him for what is good as our source of our wisdom, understanding, and peace. Amen. And that's why we have found our cause in serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been Michael, the man behind the machine, and to my right has been... Sebastian, the bookkeeper. And all the way across the airwaves, it's been... Theodore, under the PC. Thank you for listening. If you want to see the rest of our episodes, which are not always very, very long response videos, we're also very, very long theological videos, you can go to foundcause.podbean.com and download them all for your listening pleasure. That's audio only, though, if you want to see our faces and the beautiful face of Sam Harris, you have to go to youtube.com and look us up there. We're also on facebook.com forward slash foundcause. We're also, if you're an audiophile, on Spotify and iTunes and wherever else you might find your podcast. So until next time, when we talk about something completely different and probably not Catholic related, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.